Welcome to the Hope New Podcast, a podcast for parents of children impacted by disabilities, where we believe there's beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. Your hosts are Jonathan and Sarah McGuire. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jonathan. Earlier today, I was thinking back to the days when our boys were younger and played soccer. Oh, yeah. Now, those were some fun days. (laughs) I used to love sitting there alongside the field, watching them play every Saturday morning. Yeah, it was so fun watching the difference in how the different age groups played. Yes, there was definitely a difference. Mm-hmm. For those of you who have not had the joy of spending hours mm-hmm. on the sidelines of soccer games with younger children, you can always tell where the soccer ball is by watching where the cluster of kids is. The kids are so focused on the ball and getting it themselves that they each run after the ball with all their might and end up staying together, plumped up the entire game. I can still hear the coach yelling to the team, spread apart. As the kids mature, they begin to get a better understanding of the game. Working together as a team, passing the ball, and the strategy involved. The game becomes more enjoyable. Each player is able to focus on their role and have more energy to do what they're supposed to do since they're not running back and forth on the entire field for the whole game. Now, don't get me wrong. They're still working hard and exerting a lot of energy, but it is more focused and more effective. Yes, that is so true. You know, this reminds me a lot of life. Oh, really? How so? In life, we can get so focused on different aspects that we can't see the big picture. And it's especially easy to get stuck on the hard things and not look for the good things. Now, sometimes we won't see the good and we can't see the big picture. But there are many times when we're so focused on the hard and the negative that we just absolutely miss the positive. That's very true. Today's guest, Jen Sondland, shares about this in our interview. Jen is a wife, mother, and author. She has such a tender heart, and I know you will enjoy this interview with her. Hey, Jen. Welcome to the Hope Anew podcast. Thank you so much for having me. As we get going, (laughs) can you briefly tell us your story? Yeah, sure. So I have two boys. They are currently nine and seven. And when my older son was born, we knew he was born with a hearing loss. He only has hearing in his right ear. But then as he grew and he developed, we began noticing he just wasn't meeting milestones. And so we started physical therapy and then later speech therapy. And eventually he was diagnosed with apraxia, which is a neurological disorder that affects motor planning. It affects their speech and gross motor and fine motor skills. So it's like they have to do lots of therapy to learn how to do things and practice it before it becomes natural. Just around the time he got his diagnosis, we had my second son and we had just moved to a new state. So we had a lot of stuff going on. And then my new baby, he started having a lot of issues with sensory issues. So we knew right away that he also had some special needs. And then later on, he would get an autism diagnosis. So I had two young kids with, with special needs and I was thrown into this new world and a new state. So that's kind of where my story really started with special needs parenting. It's a lot at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was. It was like all at once. And I, it was just, I felt like I'd been blindsided in a way. Just so much stuff happening all at the same time. And no time to get your footing or bearings or figure anything out and more comes. Right. And we were still trying to find a new church and new therapists and new friends in a new state. So, yeah, there was a lot going on. 
What inspired you to write your book, Embracing the Special Life? And I'm assuming with all that was going on, that didn't happen right away. That was a journey before you were ready to do that. Yeah. Yes, it definitely was a journey. So special needs parenting has a lot of challenges and I struggled a lot with anxiety. I struggled with depression. Like my whole life revolved around my kids' therapy appointments and researching how to help them. I questioned my faith a lot. Like, you know, I kept asking God, why? Like, why my kids? Why me? And I just felt like God was very far away and very silent. And like, he wasn't this loving God that I had always been raised and believed in type thing. Like I had this crisis of faith that honestly scared me because I'd grown up a Christian and it was just who I was. And then one week we decided to go to the beach on vacation, which made me really nervous because kids with sensory issues and special needs at the beach didn't sound like a lot of fun. But we did actually have nice time just away from therapies and just to be together as a family. And then the night before we were supposed to pack up to go back home, I had a panic attack. And this is the first time like I'd had like a literal panic attack, like I thought I was going to die <laughs> type panic attack. And my husband's like, just go on the beach and spend time with God and I'll pack it. And I went on the beach and I realized like what I was so upset about was like going back to our life of therapies and all this other stuff going on. So I was sitting on the beach and crying and, you know, trying to figure out what was going on and what God wanted from me. And I expected to hear more silence from God. And instead, what he told me was embrace. And I was like, well, it had to be from God, because why would I think that? And then what is what is there in my life to embrace? And then God just showed me, I think I spent like an hour there on the beach, and he just showed me thing after thing and after thing in my life that I needed to embrace. And so that's kind of the foundation where the book came from. Each chapter just talks about different things in a special needs parenting journey that we need to embrace, how there are good things in it. And so that's kind of the foundation of where the book came from. But it was a process. It took a long time of me learning to embrace before I could even start writing about it. Sure. Yeah, your your book, you hit the topics head on. I mean, you had grief, guilt, faith, questions and doubts, life being different than our expectations, marriage, insecurity, isolation, and who our children are. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the topics are just spot on with each of them. I, every, every parent that we've talked to has struggled with these issues. With each challenging area, you walk through what you needed to release and then what you were able to embrace. And you helped the reader walk through that too. You talked about it a little bit. You mentioned it, the release embrace concept. And that concept's really powerful. And here's a quote from your book. You say, you can't open your arms to something. You can't truly embrace all life has to offer and flourish until your arms aren't holding on to a bunch of things you don't need. I couldn't really embrace my children until I released my expectations and dreams I'd had for them. I couldn't embrace myself as a mother and as a wife and a daughter of God until I could release my guilt and insecurities. I love that quote. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah. So as I was writing the book, I wrote all these different chapters about things we needed to embrace in this special needs parenting journey. But I kept feeling like something was missing. And I, I couldn't put my finger on it. I was reading a book by Lisa Trickhurst. It was the best yes. She shared a story about how she went to Connecticut and it was fall, but they had just had a snowstorm. And all the ice and the snow on the trees 
with the leaves had made a lot of the trees break. The branches had broken, the trees had broken. And she said it was because the trees aren't meant to hold on to the leaves and the ice and the snow at the same time. Like that's why they let go of their leaves in the fall so that they can withstand the ice and the snow in the wintertime. And that was just like when it hit me, I'm like, that's it. Like, you can't just keep embracing all this stuff in life that God has for us without letting go of all the stuff in our lives that God doesn't want us to be holding on to. Our own expectations and bitterness and doubt and insecurity, all these things that we're not meant to hold on to. And so that's when I realized I needed to alternate the chapters with things we need to embrace and things we need to let go of or release and the special needs parenting journey to be able to live the life that God wants us to live. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So as you're looking at this process, let's say there's this area that I recognize that I need to release. Is this a one and Mm -hmm. done process where I've said, okay, I've released this and I'm done with that. Now I can move on to the next scene. Or is this an ongoing process? I think it'll always be an ongoing process. You know, like in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how there's different seasons and, you know, a time to mourn and a time to rejoice, a whole list of things that we're always going to be going through different seasons. And and it's okay to be in a season of embracing things and it's okay to be in a season of releasing things. And it's okay to be in a season where you're just, you know, there's just times where we're just trying to survive and it's okay to just be in that season. But then when you begin to feel like you're being called to embrace or release something, or you're feeling convicted to do something, even that is a process. Like it's not just immediate. It takes a change in mindset and prayer and change in perspective and seeking scriptures on it to really be able to, to try and embrace it and release something. And then even then it's still a process of keeping that mindset because it's easy to go back to the previous way of thinking. So I think it's a continuous, we will be doing this our entire lives as we go through different seasons and, and different trials and different things. Now, have you ever been in a situation as your identify an area that needs to be released. Is that something that you can immediately do? Or what does that release process look like? Are you always ready to start to release that thing right away? Or does sometimes it take a little while to for it to settle in? Like, okay, I really need to let go of that. I think sometimes it can happen immediately. It's just a perspective shift. Other times it's, it's going to take a lot of prayer and surrender. And for me, it requires a lot of journaling. Like I'll, I have to write out all my thoughts, get them out. Or like I'll write letters to God and that helps me to be able to like let go of how I'm viewing things and start seeing them from God's perspective, how God wants me to see them. But it's definitely a process. It doesn't come naturally to us. We like to stay in what's comfortable for us. And so both embracing and releasing, they require courage to do something new and to grow. Are there any other obstacles that you'd say that come in that process? It requires surrender to what God would have for you, knowing that what God has is better than how you're currently doing it. Even that requires that mindset shift of God's way is better than my way type thing. We could spend an entire podcast on each chapter of your book, and there's so much richness in it. Is there a release embrace topic that is the closest to your heart? I would have to say the chapter on embracing your children was the most impactful for me. And interesting, it's like my last chapter in the book. But the reason it was the most impactful for me is because 
I felt like I was so focused on my kids, their diagnoses, their milestones, their development, their behavior, their health, all their therapies. And then I was constantly like comparing my kids to other kids and seeing how far behind they were. And then when I was sitting there on that beach and, you know, God kept showing me different things I needed to embrace, what he showed me about my children was that verse in First Samuel where Samuel goes to anoint the next king and they thought it would be like one of Jesse's older sons, but no, it was David who they didn't even think like should be eligible to be king. And he said, man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It just convicted me so much because I've been so focused on my kids' outward appearance and their behavior and their milestones, I was missing their heart. I was missing how God fearfully and wonderfully made them. I was missing like their gifts and their passions and their talents because I was just so focused on, in a way, I was like trying to fix my kids like they were broken instead of just embracing who they were and that I'm a steward of them and I I nurture the gifts and the talents and, and who God made them to be. And so once I really started embracing that perspective of focusing on my kids' hearts and their strengths and their passions, like it gave me so much freedom and purpose and joy in parenting them again. And and it made me proud to be their mom rather than like stressed out and feeling like I was failing them and not doing enough for them. So that was the most liberating thing for me. And that was my favorite chapter to write. And it's still something I have to remind myself of because I still get back into that comparison or like focusing on my kids' needs. And I have to remember to focus on their hearts. Yeah, I love that because of course we want to help our kids become all that they can be and have the least amount of struggles that they can Mm-hmm. in this world and life. And yet if we don't embrace their strengths, then that's all we see. And yet they have such right. wonderful gifts and blessings. And God made each of us with strengths and weaknesses. What a blessing it is to be able to focus on strengths and help them develop those. There's a lot of beauty and richness in that. I'm having a hard time finding the words, but I know, yeah, with my son, <laughs> He'll get really discouraged because he'll compare himself to others and he sees where he's behind. And yet when Mm -hmm. I take the time to stop and say, but look at this and look at this and look at this and God put this in you and God put that in you. You know, he gave you a creative mind and he gave you an out of the box thinking you're a great problem solver. No, you can't read or write, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) God made you amazing and wonderful. We're Mm -hmm. all so aware of our flaws and our problems and our struggles but we get focused on that. And I was actually just the other night, I was sitting down and reading the Bible with both our boys. And the verse that came up was talking about where we are his masterpiece. And he just mm, yeah. loved that. He's like, wow. And I was like, mm-hmm. how neat is that? That we are each God's masterpiece. And that he planned out beforehand while we were in our mother's wombs. Yeah, mm-hmm. you are a masterpiece with all these things. And God has a plan and purpose here. So. So he just loved that. It was a neat time, neat moment. This podcast is going to air in February, which is known for Valentine's Day. So any guys out there, you have two mm-hmm. weeks until Valentine's Day. So go ahead and buy your wife's cards, presents, roses, anything that speaks love to your wife. But back to the back to the topic here. I love the insights that you share in your book about marriage and some of the perspective shifts that you made in how you understood and viewed your husband and how those 
really helped you in working through some areas where you and he clashed. Can you give us an example of that? I think, as is true of all marriages, we we have our our differences and we're opposites in a lot of ways. For my husband and I, my husband's very organized and structured and likes things organized. And I'm more of a, like, go with the flow. And I joke I put the pro in procrastinate. I will get things done, but in my own time and in my own way. So we argued a lot about, he would comment on how I did things. And I felt like he was commenting on me and it would hurt my feelings. Or he would suggest how I could be more organized or more structured or whatnot. And then that would hurt my feelings. And we'd get into arguments about it. And I'd get upset with him. I'd I'd be like, you're supposed to care about my feelings more than the things around the house. Like that really was how I felt like my feelings were the most important thing to care about at that time. And I just didn't get why he would keep bringing it up. I'm like, things are getting done. I don't know what the big deal is about this. But then again, that time in the beach where God kept showing me different things I needed to embrace. What I needed to embrace about my husband was that God's role that he gave the husband was to provide for and protect the home and the family. I've always known how well my husband provided for us and and worked hard for us and and whatnot. But I thought his job was to protect my feelings more than anything else. And God showed me that his job is to protect our family. And this was his way of protecting the family, like helping us get more organized and structured and and detail-oriented because that's what made sense to him. And so for me, that was just a very liberating perspective to see, like, he wasn't trying to hurt me. (laughs) He was trying to help our family grow and become healthier. And he just had a different perspective on how to do that. And so again, like when he comments on something, I just have to remind myself, like, this is his way of protecting our family. And that changed like everything for us. That's just an example. That's a great example. It reminds me of this marriage class that we were in. When we lived down in Texas, we were part of a Sunday school class. We are part of a marriage group. And one of the things the leader said is, remember that the spouse that you're talking to now is the same spouse that you first married and who loved you and who was looking out for you and you, you know, you're the light of their life. And don't assume that they're looking out to point out faults. Remember, this is the same person that you fell in love with here initially. And so that helped give so much more grace and help receive, like when Sarah had different things to share with me, oh, she's not trying to be critical, but come back to have that more accurate perspective of, She's just trying to help, and she's doing that in the way that that she knows. So, yeah, great and great example. I mean, God made us to help in different ways, so (laughs) just have to to embrace how your spouse wants to help the family. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I would say, as you shared about you and your husband, Jonathan and I, our personalities, you flip-flop that. I'm the more detailed, organized one. He's the more big-picture, artistic, go-with-the-flow one. Mm -hmm. And it's an ongoing joke that he loves order, but has no ability to create it. So oh, he depends on yes. me for that. Got it. I regularly tell Sarah, hey, yeah. you know, I love for my desk to be organized. Why don't you come do it for me? <laughs> uh, but you need to do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes in the section of embracing our role as helper is this. You say, these men we married are princes, are knights in shining armor. 
were not created to simply meet all our needs. Nope, they have quite a few of their own, and it is our role to help them. They want to feel needed and respected, that we genuinely care about them and their needs. Then later you say, our husbands are grown men and can take care of themselves, right? Our children need us, and they have a lot of needs. And we forget our husbands have needs that we were created to fulfill. I love that because I know I was definitely guilty of that when everything hit with our son and he needed me taking care of him all day, all night, every day, every night. My husband definitely got put on the back burner and his needs were not even in my scope of consciousness. And Mm -hmm. um, yet you're exactly right on that we were created to be our husband's helpers. They do have needs. Yes, they're adults, but they have needs just like we have needs. And we were uniquely created to help fulfill those. I love that. Do you want to say anything more about that? No, I mean, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. Like it's, it's just very easy to focus on the kids and, and their husbands can take care of ourselves. And then, but then they come home from work and like, hey, I need your help with this and I need your help with this. And we forget about how can I serve you and how can I help you and what can I do for you? And usually there are little things that just let let your husband know that you're thinking about them and that you care about what matters to them and that type of thing. And it really makes a difference. I know you've read it too. Um, Darlene Filo's book, uh, Sharing Love Abundantly, is all about love languages and special needs families for your spouse and for your children. I highly recommend that book because it just gives practical tips for how to show love to your spouse amid all the busyness of special needs parenting. That's so good. And as you said, I mean, each of us has a different love language. So looking at that book and trying to figure out how we can speak that love to our spouses is so important. And I also want to speak to this a little bit too, just because you touched on how your husband felt the need to be a protector for your family. I think that's something that's innate in probably most husbands. We all want to be there. We all want to protect our families, protect our wives. And part of that is that we don't want to add extra burden to our wives. So if we see you struggling, if I see Sarah struggling, if I see already this load that she's under as she's caring for our son's needs and as she's doing all these things, Mm -hmm. she's already stressed to the max. The last thing I want to do is come to her and say, hey, honey, you're doing a great job here, but I'm struggling in this area and don't feel like you're meeting my needs in this area. I know that's not how I'd say it, but I feel neglected. I feel neglected. (laughs) You know, I need some, I need some attention to you. I need some help in this way. And so that's probably going to be the last thing I do because I'll feel like I'm adding additional weight onto Sarah's shoulders. And so I love Mm -hmm. that you bring that out in the book and that you encourage the spouses to go to their husbands, because really that's going to be probably the only way the spouses find out how their husband's doing and if if there's any areas he's struggling before it's too late, before it gets to that point where he's reaches his max or vice versa. So it's just mm-hmm. yeah, a good way to help keep that that relationship strong as you're in the midst of a of a hard situation. And I will mm-hmm. say I know when we were in the worst of it, I didn't have the time or energy to really meet his needs and take care of him as well. However, I wish I would have at Mm -hmm. least acknowledged it more just to say something to him about how much I valued or appreciated his hard work or what he was doing or 
And maybe I did. I don't know. My I mm-hmm. really don't have much memory from those years. It was just a fog. But yeah, just I, to I, acknowledge yeah. it and that we're aware of it, I think can at least go part yeah. way in meeting that need. Okay. You share that you invited your husband into the process of caring for your kids and that together you worked to determine what was best for them. That you had different ideas, but were able to merge them and create a plan that worked for your whole family. And I'd say that was true for us too. I did pretty much all of the research and finding options for treatment and that type of thing. But then I'd bounce the ideas off Jonathan most of the time and discuss them with him. And we did that so much that it got to the point when I would be like thick in the weeds of a problem. You can't see the forest for the trees type of thing and not Mm -hmm. knowing what to do. And he would actually be able to remind me of the bigger picture and suggest alternatives that I'd learned about and had shared with him, but then later had forgotten and didn't call to mind in that instance. And he was able to help so much with giving perspective and insights. And you state in your book, invite your husband into the process, ask for his opinion and respect what he has to offer, support each other's weaknesses, celebrate each other's strengths and work as a team to do what is best for your whole family. And that's so valuable. And I'll say that this doesn't happen overnight, of course, and I'm sure you'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Inviting our husbands into the process is key. Sharing the research, the knowledge we're gaining with them is so crucial. We can't expect our husbands to be excited about a plan or a treatment option when they don't know anything about it or why we want to try it. There were times when I wanted to do a therapy and for one reason or another, he didn't or didn't agree with it. Or even if though I really wanted to, it would break his heart to say, no, we don't have the money. And so I had to respect that and look for another way to accomplish the goal. Oftentimes it ended up that he'd say no and I'd go back to the drawing board and look for all the alternatives and found a better alternative for cheaper or something like that, Mm -hmm. even though at the time it was hard to take that no. But later I was so glad that I did. So that's kind of how it worked Mm -hmm. for us. How did these types of decisions work in your marriage? And was there a time when you and he had opposite views on a decision? And how did you go about solving that? It's very similar for us because I was the one taking the kids to the therapy and I was the one doing the research. And then I would, I would share with him like what I'm learning or this is what I want to try. And of course I'd be all excited about it. And he'd be like, well, let's, let's reevaluate. And we just think like, can, can we fit this in our budget? Can you really add another therapy to your schedule? He'd help me step back and look at the big picture. Cause I was just all about like, let's do whatever we can and what we need to do to help our kids. And he's like, let's look at how is this going to help everybody and help the whole family. So he helped me take a step back. And sometimes it really hurt my feelings. And I'd be like, why are you caring more about money than our kids right now? Like I told that to him a few times and, and he would remind me like he had a better picture of the whole budget and how everything put together. And so I, I would respect that he did know what he was talking about, even though I'd been researching something for hours. Doesn't mean that that means it's right. (laughs) The biggest thing that we struggled with making a decision about for a long time was about schooling. I thought homeschooling would be what was best for our kids because, well, I know them better than other people. And I'm a teacher myself. Like I had stopped teaching to take care of my kids, but I have a teaching degree. So I thought that was the best thing. And he was like, well, we should try public school and they can get the support they need. And they have speech therapy and all the other therapies they need and they can learn social skills. And so it was something that we talked about a lot. We prayed about a lot. And finally I was like, okay, let's just try it. Cause he had 
convincing ideas. And so we did try it and it did end up being what was best for our children at the time. I do think in the future they may need to be homeschooled, but for now they're doing well in school. And that meant that I could go back to teaching, which I, I enjoy doing. And so it was a decision that was best for our family at the time that just required like listening to each other and, and praying about it and not me like looking at all these online websites that would tell me what I wanted to hear about how homeschooling was better. (laughs) But like really seeking like my husband's heart about it. And that has been what's best for our family for now. That's good. It takes a lot of patience and grace as you come together and work together and come up with the the final decision or the final decision at that moment until the next decision. Sarah and I have been in that situation so many times where both of us have our own ideas, but then when we come together, mm-hmm. it seems like the solutions that ends up being so much better than what it would have been if we had just either one of us done our own thing. It's a neat balance. Even though the process is difficult. Yeah. The process can sometimes be very strenuous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's good. Yeah. Now at the beginning of the podcast, we say there is beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. How have you seen this to be true in your story? Oh, that's a good question. I know that I have grown a whole lot because of this special needs parenting journey and not always in fun ways, but I would say I'm a much different person now than I was before I had kids and before I was a special needs mom. And it's grown me in lots of ways where I've been able to help other special needs parents or it's made me a better teacher when working with my students. And I've learned to advocate for things where before I would just be like, oh, I'm going to stay quiet and not make waves. But I've learned the value in in sharing your story and speaking truth and advocating for those who can't advocate for themselves. And that way I see that there's purpose and beauty in the hard things that we've gone through. The image on the cover of my book is a flower that's growing through a crack in the sidewalk. And it's just, something that I see from time to time and I feel like it's just God reminding me like we all go through hard times and that flower could have chosen to just fade away because it's growing in a hard place but it's still blooming and it's still bringing beauty into a place that's unexpected and so that's just an image that has really encouraged me and that's what I think of when I think of the special needs parenting journey is There's beauty and purpose in it, even though it's not fun. Who wants to grow in like a crack in the sidewalk, right? (laughs) But that something beautiful can still grow there. I love that. I'm going to think of that now every time I see a flower in a sidewalk. (laughs) So how can our listeners connect with you? Okay, I have a blog at www.embracing.life. There's no.com. I know it can be weird, but it's embracing.life. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Jen Embracing Life. That's Jen, two ends, Embracing Life. And then my book, Embracing a Special Life, is available on Amazon. All right. Great. Perfect. And I would yeah. say to our listeners that her book is well worth it. I have loved reading her book. And... I'll say some books in this special need journey are great and we need to hear what they have to say, but it takes work and effort to go through them. Jen's book was like a sigh of relief and a gentle hug while gently pointing in the right direction. 
It was like sitting with a friend over tea and just chatting about life and how we can best move into the life that we have and embrace it and finding those beautiful things. So I would encourage our listeners that that is a very worthy investment for them. Oh, well, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, we're so glad that you're able to be on here and tell our listeners, yeah, buy the book, follow Jen, go to our Facebook page, follow her there, like her page. Jen writes on our, writes on our blog as well. Anytime you see her name come across your feed, check it out. We love what she writes. It's very encouraging, thought-provoking. You'll be encouraged by it. Jen, we'll, we'll put a link to your uh, Facebook page and all your ways that we can connect on our show notes. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had fun chatting with you guys. (laughs) 